Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We're continuing in our studies of the general epistle of James. This little book has five chapters and we are beginning our study of chapter five. Let's read through the entire chapter before we begin our discussion and consideration of the verses. Beginning at verse 1, chapter 5, James, the general epistle. Go to now, ye rich men, weep and howl for your miseries that shall come upon you. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire." Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth, and have been wanton. And ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. You've condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Be patient, therefore, brethren, under the coming of the Lord. Behold, a husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth, and hath long patience for it until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient, establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Grudge not one against another, brethren, lest ye be condemned. Behold, the judge standeth before the door. Take, my brethren, the prophets who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. But above all things, my brethren, swear not, neither by heaven, neither by the earth, neither by any other oath, but let your yea be yea, and your nay nay, lest you fall into condemnation. Is any among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up, and if he have committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth by the space of three years 
and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he which converteth the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. That's the reading of chapter 5, imperfectly, but read nonetheless. This is a warning to the rich. Now, the warning has already been given that we not receive the rich in an improper fashion. That warning was given earlier in the book of James when we were told that we should not have respect of persons when it comes to those in fine raiment, those that dress in goodly apparel, those that uh, present themselves as having money, that sort of thing, we're told that we are not to have respect of persons. We are, in chapter 2 of the book of James, admonished that the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, is for all people, no matter what their position on this earth may be. And so that's where we see it first, and now here we have a warning directly against rich people, or for rich people, and this is not a warning against having riches, not at all, but it's a warning against putting your faith in riches. There is a big difference between having faith in God and being rich in the world's goods and having faith in the world's goods and not being rich in God. There's a huge difference, and one has to be aware of it so that they do not fall into the trap. And this is what James is warning these who would read his epistle. He said, Rich folks should weep and howl for their miseries that will come upon them. With great wealth comes great responsibility, and often great tragedy. Your riches are corrupted, and your garments are moth-eaten. Now we think of riches today as being money, gold, silver, precious jewels of some sort. Maybe it's houses and lands. In the day of James, of course, it was also clothing. We don't think of it that way uh, as much anymore uh, with the uh, various kind of clothing stores and big box stores and chain stores that sell all kinds of clothing made at the cheapest prices. We don't think of clothing as being so important, but quite honestly, clothing in the Middle East in this time that James is writing around A.D. 45 or so, uh, clothing was still a part of the wealth process. If you had the right kind of clothing, you could actually change clothing. You would have changes of clothing for different uh, things that you were doing. If you were impoverished, you had the clothing on your back. You might have had something in uh, with which to change into when you washed the clothing that you had, but that was about it. You didn't have a lot, and you did not have much of the world's goods unless you were considered rich. And that would show that you had the world's goods. 
But he says here, your riches are corrupted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver is cankered. Now, if you've never seen canker, uh, think of it as rust on precious minerals or precious, um, uh, well, precious minerals indeed, because canker I have never seen on stones, but I have seen it on gold or silver. And that's where tarnish comes in. So we could call it tarnish, if you wish. But here it's called cankered. And it's akin to rust. Except it's on precious metals. Rust is on the baser of metals, usually. And he says here, And the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Now, is it literally going to be burning your flesh? Probably not. Here, again, we're speaking of wisdom literature as it was in the book of Proverbs with the wisdom literature there. And so, this is in the, uh, in the style of wisdom literature, and it is not truly rust or canker, uh, nor fire, but it is symbolic. And it does give us an idea of what kind of torturous effects you will have from your riches. Your gold and silver is cankered, the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. Now there are a couple of ways you can look at that uh, last phrase, you have heaped treasure together uh, for the last days. You can see it as uh, this is um, worldly goods that will be destroyed in the time of Christ's return. And that's one view of this scripture. Another view is the more direct uh, understanding, and that is that they've heaped together treasure for their retirement, if you will, their last days, not the last days of the earth, but the last days that they would have. And so they've saved this money, they've put this wealth together so that they could have a retirement plan, if, uh, if that's something that you would uh, consider here. Um, the truth is, they're going to have some trouble because they have not been faithful. Now again, this is James with wisdom literature painting with a very broad brush the fact that rich folks of his day often uh, were less than reputable when it came to those who worked for them. Behold, the hire of the laborers who have reaped down your fields, which is of you kept back by fraud, crieth. He says, you're rich, but your riches are worthless because you've gained them by deceit. You have stolen your riches from those that you hired to do your work. You must pay them. They're crying in their poverty. They're crying to you, and they're wanting their wages. Notice, you kept it back by fraud. Now, fraud's a very legal term, and it is one that shows that there was deceit. There was intent. This was committed by someone who thought it through and planned it out. This was a, an act, a deliberate act of thievery. And these are the ones that are crying out for justice 
And we see in the rest of this verse that the Lord God himself will provide that justice. Let me finish the verse and then we'll continue with the conversation. And the cries of them which have reaped are entered into the ears of the Lord of Sabaoth. That's the Lord of hosts. That's God Almighty. That is the Almighty, Omnipotent, All-Knowing, All-Wise God. And so here, you didn't just defraud someone by not paying them their wages for one day or more than one day, but you have now reached the very ears of the Lord of hosts, Almighty God, the one who takes care of these injustices, because the cries of your workers have come before him. Now what does this mean? Well, it means that there will be justice because God himself will not hear the cries of his people and ignore them. Here, God is seen as the Lord of hosts, the Lord of Sabaoth. That means the Lord of mighty armies. And these armies are there to exact retribution upon those who sin. And so here in Old Testament style, we see God presented as the one who will right all wrongs. And we know that at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are promised that all wrongs will be righted. That Christ himself will make sure that everything is taken care of. So here we have in these four verses a warning to rich folks. Go ahead and cry. Go ahead and, uh, and uh, weep all that you can because your riches will be corrupted. Your garments will be worthless. You will lose what you have because the cries of those that you've stolen it from have come to Almighty God and he's going to take care of business. Verse 5 continues the thought. Ye have lived in pleasure on the earth and been wanton. Ye have nourished your hearts as in a day of slaughter. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Verse 5. This is speaking of the rich people one more time. They've lived in the pleasure of the earth. So that pleasure uh, can be seen as luxuriousness indulging themselves. Now let's pause here and ask the question, how many of us live as the rich potentates and the rich people, the rich merchants of the days of James in the first century of this, uh, this uh, era? Who among us lives as the poverty-stricken of Palestine in those days? the poverty-stricken of Israel. We don't. We don't. Not even the poorest of our poor live as the poverty-stricken used to live there in the Middle East. And those of us who live in our sealed houses, and that means having the ceiling tiles or the ceiling in the house, it means that they're finished. They have uh, walls, and they have walls on the interior as well as walls on the exterior. Uh, how many of us who live in air-conditioned and heated houses 
who have running water, who have uh, indoor plumbing and indoor toilets and uh, kitchens within our walls, how many of us live as rich people did in those days? In fact, we live better than rich people did in those days. And they were portrayed here in this wisdom literature of the New Testament as it was in the wisdom literature of the Old Testament. They are portrayed as being in pleasure. Now, pleasure is not a bad thing in and of itself. You'll remember that Paul the Apostle said that whatever state he was in, he had found to be content. Whether he was abased or he abounded, it didn't matter. He wanted to be content in whatever state of affairs he found himself. Well, that's good because we are rich people today. Compared to anyone throughout history, we are rich. Even if we have a two-room house, we are rich compared to the people of yesterday. And they were pronounced as living in pleasure and living wanton lives, wanton, W-A-N-T-O-N, meaning uh, profligate lives, if you will. They were living in luxury. They indulged themselves. And how many of us do not indulge ourselves? Why are we an obese nation? We indulge ourselves. Uh, Why are we a nation that wastes its resources? Because we indulge ourselves. We are not, as many European countries, um, watching very carefully how we uh, spend energy or spend electricity or spend money or spend gasoline. We wind up going and indulging ourselves. If we want to take a trip, we take a trip. If we can't afford to fly, we'll drive. If we can't afford to drive, we'll hitch a ride with somebody. But we indulge ourselves on a regular basis in whatever it is we want to do, uh, in whatever indulgence that we find at our hand, that's what we indulge ourselves in. And this was the warning against those people. So count yourself as one of the rich people that he's warning here. And he's saying, don't defraud your fellow man when you have business relationships. Don't steal from them. Oh my. Not even in small things should we steal from anyone. We should not live in pleasure and be wanton. That means indulgent. But that's the charge here for the rich. You've lived in pleasure. You've been wanton. You've nourished your hearts as in the day of slaughter. That speaks to uh, when the fatted calf was killed. Uh, That speaks to when there was a a great celebration of some sort, and they would have a feast, and they would eat meat. And that was when they had meat to eat, was in those kind of feasts. Well, the rich people ate meat any time they wanted to. And uh, that's probably you, my friend. You eat meat just about any time you want to. Mm -hmm. And then verse 6 is the one that draws the curtain here. Ye have condemned and killed the just, and he doth not resist you. Now, scholars, much wiser, much smarter than I, and much more studied than I, have suggested that this is that of taking the rich people taking the poor people to the court. And the court, more often than not, and certainly in that day, most all the time, 
took up the side of the rich, not the side of the poor. And so this verse, and we'll try to come back next time and further discuss it, but this verse lends the idea that the rich have taken the poor to law, to court, and have gotten judgments against them and taken away what little that they did own, leaving them as if they were dead. And that's the uh, meaning, apparently, of this verse. And if we have time, next time we will continue looking at verse 6. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's The Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.